The Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to St. Matthew. In the time of King Herod, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem asking, Where is the child who has been born King of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened. And all Jerusalem with him, and calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who is to shepherd my people Israel. Herod secretly called for the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I also may go and pay him homage. When they heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then, opening their treasure chest, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I want to tell you about a, a conversation that I have periodically. Sometimes this conversation takes place in a grocery store, sometimes in a mall or a parking lot. Maybe on the streets of town or even occasionally I'll have this conversation here in the church, in the hallways or the classrooms of the church. And it always goes something like this. Oh, hello, pastor. How are you? It's good to see you. You know, I haven't been in church for a while and I'm really sorry about that. But you know, this winter I bought a ski pass. And and the lines are shortest on Sunday mornings. So, well, and you know, sometimes it's not a ski pass. Sometimes it's a it's a house at the lake, or 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 a place at the shore, or a membership to a particular golf course. But the conversation always goes the same. It's just that the locales differ. But you know, and the conversation always ends the same way. But you know, it is so beautiful up there on the mountain or out there on the golf course or, or down by the water. It's so beautiful. You know, I almost hate to say it, but I often feel closer to God there than I do in church. I wish I could tell you how many times I've had that conversation in one way or another, in one place or another. But I confess to you, I don't always know how to respond. It's difficult to know 
what to say. Oh, there are lots of things that go through my mind. But what can I get away with? You know, I love the outdoors as much as anybody else does. There's nothing more enjoyable for me than, than a quiet getaway in the wilderness. I particularly like the woods. My wife loves the beach, so we have, we have that constant battle about do we go to the mountains or do we go to the shore? And uh, those of you who know me know we end up at the shore mostly. <laughs> but then there are also the football games and the soccer games and the marathons and the flower shows and the summer vacations and the winter holidays. Nobody knows more than I do how uptight a place the church can be where it's difficult to relax, much less experience the presence of God. One overworked volunteer said to me not too long ago, whenever I go to church, I always end up agreeing to do something. So sometimes I stay at home on Sundays, frankly, because I need a break. I know what that's like, too. And yet something doesn't seem quite right when someone says they feel closer to God out there than they do in here. So, so this morning, I want to take just a few minutes to, to take that seriously. I feel closer to God up on that mountain or on that golf course or down by that lake. I feel closer to God there than I do in church. When someone says that to me, I know what they mean. That it's possible to take a walk on the beach or to climb a mountain or to swat a golf ball and, and end up recognizing the wonder and the awe and the majesty of God because we are a part of God's creation, the world that God made for us. God's given us a beautiful world. There's, there's no desert so desolate that you cannot see God's fingerprints in it. Beyond the, and beyond our world, there are stars still uncharted and, and vast spaces filled with marvelous and mysterious things still to be discovered. The immense size of creation can invoke awe and turn us toward the intelligent creator who made it. I know when people say those things to me about finding God and sensing God in other places in ways that they don't hear, I know what they mean. Those are the things that they mean. And, and you know, that's what prompts the, the familiar story of the wise men in Matthew's gospel. The Magi search for Jesus because they've seen a sign in the world out there. They've seen a star that tells them that God is up to something. An unusual star appeared in the sky and they pay attention to it. Clearly, in their minds, clearly, God is up to something. And the whole creation testifies to it. Even the stars reveal something of God. So you see, the story that I encounter in, in the grocery store and in the mall parking lot are not unusual. Comes to us all the way from the second chapter of Matthew. That's what prompted the familiar story of the wise men. But what is God up to? What is God doing? The wise men assume that, that a new king has been born because in ancient times, that's what they always assumed when something unusual went on in the sky. Historians and, and, and wise men and wise women often thought that the skies showed signs of what was going on on the earth, particularly uh, surrounding the birth and the death of famous and powerful people. The, the Roman historian Suetonius, for example, claimed that at the birth of Augustus, there, there were unusual portents in the heavens. 
And, and the emperor Nero became so alarmed when a comet appeared in the sky that he ordered the deaths of notable people throughout the Roman Empire so that no one would challenge him and his power. No one in the first century would have missed the connection between an unusual star and the birth of a significant new leader. But, where was he to be born? To what family? Under what political circumstances? What kind of king would this be? Well, the Magi don't know those things. The wise men, their knowledge was incomplete. That's, that's the first part of what the star can't tell us. And that's, that's an important lesson to remember. Garrison Keillor said somewhere, if you get your guidance by following a star, the directions are going to be a little bit vague. For the past 400 years, we have turned to science to answer many questions. And scientists have analyzed the universe and discovered the laws of physics and studied the human body and put bacteria under a microscope. We've learned a lot of things. Most of those things incredibly important and vitally helpful. But there are still gaps in our knowledge. There are still things that stars and scientists can't tell us. You can learn a lot about the God who made everything by looking around at the world that God made. But you can't quite be sure what kind of God this is. There are sparkling waterfalls and bright autumn leaves and radiant sunsets. But there are also black holes and mutating cancer cells and raging storms that destroy without purpose. Look at the star in the sky. And it's obvious that something is happening. God is up to something. But you can't be exactly certain what it is that God is up to or whether it is a promising sign or an ominous sign. A star can tell you that God is at work in the universe, but it cannot tell you where or how or why. And so, and so you see, it is vitally important that we bring our uninterpreted experience of the world from out there into here so that that we can look at our experience and what we see in the world out there we can look at it in light of what the scriptures tell us about who God is and what God is up to then we listen to the scriptures and we we allow them to read our experiences and interpret them for us. So you see, both are important. Our marvelous experiences out in the world, but also our worship, our fellowship, and our study in here. That's exactly what the Magi had to do. Remember? We, we've seen the star out there in creation, they said. And we believe a new king has been born somewhere. So they go to the palace. They go to Herod's palace because that's where kings normally come from. And that's where leaders are usually born, at least in their day. However, the old king is still sitting on the throne and he isn't too excited about the news of a new king. Fortunately for the wise men, though, there are still people on the old king's payroll who go to church. They know what the scriptures say about God's intentions and God's great dream for his people and his world. And so the chief priests and the scribes open up the scrolls 
to the fifth chapter of Micah and they announce the new keeper of God's flock will be born in the city of David. He will be the best shepherd we've ever had. Here's one glimpse of how we come to deeper faith in God. We bring the things that we've seen out there in the world, just like the wise men did. They saw the star out there in the world and they brought that experience inside to the sanctuary, inside of the church where the scriptures are kept and studied and honored. And inside the church of their time, those wise men allowed their experience, their observation of the star, they allowed their experience to be to be interpreted by the scriptures and by the God who loves all people and by the God who works in the lives of exotic star worshipers. And then when the Magi encountered Jesus, they went home by a different direction. And if we follow God's way, our lives are redirected too. After we take those things that we experience in the world and in our lives and we bring them into the church to be submitted to and interpreted by the scriptures and seen in the light of what we know about God, then our lives are redirected too. True worship brings together our experience and our faith. Our, the things that we encounter in the world and the scriptures and the experiences of the church. Mature faith requires observation of the world out there and knowledge of God whom we worship in here. Herod had access to the scripture, you know, but he was unable to bend his knees in worship. So he orders a massacre. Remember? Massacre of all the innocents in Bethlehem, all the children, all the boys under two years of age. That's so often what happens in a world that is unformed and uninformed by the scripture and the perspectives and the values of God. Those wise men saw a wondrous star and they came full of awe. But their believing hearts, their, their lives that had been, that had been awed by this star appearing in the sky, needed to be informed by a word that was beyond their experience, a word that they could find only among the people of God. And when they listened to that word and they put their experience together with the witness of the scripture, they discover God's child. And they knelt down and worshipped him. They opened their treasure chests and offered him gifts. Here's something to say. When someone announces that they prefer to worship God on the ski slopes or on the golf course or by the water of the lake, out there in nature, there's no doubt that the heavens are telling the glory of God. You remember those words from the Psalms, I'm sure. Yet if you listen, if you listen to how the heavens are telling the glory of God, you cannot tell what kind of God it is who has made the world and the skies above. From nature alone, you cannot tell very much about the God who made the mountain and covered it with snow. If you fall down the slope and break your leg, you don't have any clue about the presence of the Creator. So what do we do? We take our experiences, our experiences on the slopes, our experiences by the lake, our experiences on the golf course, our experiences at home, our experiences at work. We take our experiences and we bring them to church. As we know, 
God made this wonderful creation and set the stars in the sky. So we come together to sing the songs and to tell the sacred story. And we worship a God who loves us so much that he's given us his own child, his own son. To walk life's way with us and to carry us through our experiences into the presence of God. A star can tell you that there is a God who's up to something. But a star can't tell you that you are cherished by God, loved by God, that you are God's beloved. A star can't tell you that. But the church can. Amen.